from WJFF Radio Catskill, this is Close to Home, the podcast that explores the people, issues, and institutions in the Catskill Mountains, the heart of small-town America. I'm your host, Leif Johansson. Welcome back. It has been another summer full of sad and concerning news headlines. Between global natural disasters of every shape and size, political turmoil, worrying climate science developments, and ongoing socioeconomic issues, it is tough to deal with the fact that on top of all of that, we have yet to escape the clutches of this pandemic. So to be honest with you, this is an episode I wish we weren't doing right now. No one wants to keep dealing with COVID for an additional indeterminate amount of time on top of the year and a half that it has already turned our lives upside down for. But that is the reality that we're living in today. And the only way to overcome it is to face it together. If you've been listening to Close to Home for a while, you may remember an episode back in early March when we heard from Sullivan County Public Health Director Nancy McGraw about the state of the pandemic and the local vaccination campaign, which at the time was really still in its infancy. But now that we are in a very different stage of fighting this virus with surging Delta variant cases and a readily available vaccine, I thought it would be useful to check back in with Nancy for an update on where we're at now. So Nancy, last time we spoke, which was right at the beginning of March, we were in a very different place in terms of COVID uh, than we are now. There were, at the time that we spoke, about 2 million vaccine doses a day going into arms around the country. It eventually got up to over 3 million a day in April, and then it started coming down again. Right now, we're down to under 700,000 doses a day as of the time we're doing this interview anyway. So I'm wondering if you see those numbers today in terms of vaccines as a good thing because so many people have been vaccinated already that vaccination rates have just gone down naturally as a result of that, or as a bad thing because there are so many people that are choosing for whatever reason not to get vaccinated yet. Well, I I think that it's a good thing that we've had as many people get vaccinated so far as they have. Uh, We're continuing to push Um, Like anything, we see high demand in the beginning, especially if it involves an infectious disease and there's a vaccine. And then you've got different groups of people who are at different stages of processing their risk and benefit in terms of whether they want to get it. So there's different stages of talking to people and trying to convince them that it's safe, it's effective. Some people wanted to wait and see after the initial um, high demand of those who I would say are very pro-vaccination and very much understand the benefits 
um, and the preventive benefits of, of vaccination. So then we've, we've got people on the opposite end who are, um, you know, for whatever personal reasons or possibly misinformation, just refusing or not willing to get vaccinated no matter what. We're hoping to continue to provide information that is evidence-based and science-based and factual-based from credible sources to convince people that um, they need to listen to the experts and not what they see and hear on possibly, you know, social media or other non-credible sources um, to make their decisions um, in conjunction with their healthcare providers or their public health uh, department. So where are we at in terms of vaccines in Sullivan County right now? And, and how much of an issue is that, that, that you're talking about of people choosing not to get vaccines, either for personal reasons or, or as a result of misinformation? Well, we have seen a positive trend in the right direction. Uh, we're seeing a growing number of younger people coming to get vaccinated, parents bringing their, their teenagers, 12 to 18 year olds and getting ready for school. They, they know that it's very important that they get vaccinated um, once school is back in session uh, for you know maximum protection. Um, we're, so we are seeing an increase in numbers in our clinics over the last couple of weeks, especially, and we're continuing to push heavily for um, the importance of getting vaccinated because of the, uh, the rising cases of COVID due to the Delta variant. We are at 39,000 uh, fully vaccinated individuals in this county, mm. Sullivan County, which is just under half. Uh, we certainly want to get higher than that uh, to 70%. But uh, there's pockets of the county that are by zip code very well vaccinated, higher than 70%. And there's some that are only 20%. So where are we at in terms of the virus now in Sullivan County? Well, we've seen a, a growing number of cases every day. I would say an average of 20 or more new positive cases. Uh, for the last week or so, which is very concerning. We're at 143 active cases and 425 people in quarantine. That's a lot of people in quarantine. So that means they've been exposed to a positive case. Um, and, you know, if you're fully vaccinated and you're exposed to somebody, you don't need to quarantine unless you are experiencing symptoms then you need to go get tested uh, before you can safely, you know, remove yourself from quarantine. We've got eight people in the hospital. That was uh, up to 12 a couple of days ago. Uh, two people are in the ICU. So we're also seeing a disturbing trend of younger, and by younger, I mean individuals between the ages of 19 and 45 uh, in the hospital with COVID. And Almost all of them, pretty much all of them are unvaccinated. So they've been exposed to the Delta variant, most likely. And having not been vaccinated, um, we're at much higher risk of being hospitalized. And aside from the folks who are going into the hospital, who you're saying are mostly unvaccinated, 
Do you know what the statistics are looking like in terms of everyone who is contracting the virus in Sullivan County? Are those mostly unvaccinated people as well, or do we have a lot of breakthrough cases? Our breakthrough cases of fully vaccinated individuals is only around 1%. It's pretty low. Wow. Hmm. We've been tracking that from January, and we've had well over 2,800 individuals who tested positive. And only 28 of those, so, you know, uh, 1% or less, have been what we would consider breakthrough cases. And the breakthrough cases were very mild because they had that protection from the vaccine. So the vaccines are proving locally to be highly effective pretty much across the board. Yes. Yes. And now with the recommendation from the CDC because of the Delta variant that If you're indoors and you cannot maintain a social distance of six feet from other individuals, you should wear a mask regardless of your vaccination status. That is because you can still contract the virus, not be symptomatic, and then uh, transmit it to someone else who may not be vaccinated because we don't go around wearing unvaccinated stickers every single day or asking people that we're standing next to what their vaccination status is. So how effective is the vaccine against the Delta variant? Is there any difference in terms of its effectiveness against Delta versus the original mutation of the virus? There's, there seems to be pretty good protection from what I've read about the research so far. Uh, it's still emerging, but uh, Delta variant, um, while it's more contagious and it can infect a lot more people than the original virus did, there's something we call R naught, and that's the that's an epidemiology term for how many, you know, what's the rate of infection for every one person that has an infection, how many people can they, other people can they infect? And whereas with the original virus, it was, you know, an R naught of one to to three or, you know, two people to every infected person or three people to every infected person. With the Delta variant, that can be up to as many as six to nine other people. So it's it's much more transmissible, transmissible and contagious, but the vaccine provides really good protection uh, and does not seem to be making vaccinated people very ill. And in terms of restrictions going forward, you were just talking about uh, the recommendation for everyone wearing masks if they can't maintain a sizable social distance indoors. Um, Are you expecting further restrictions to start being implemented? And, And if not, do you think there's a sense that among the the public health community, that if further restrictions are implemented, such as, you know, the closing of bars or theaters or things like that, um, that people just aren't going to listen anymore because of this intense fatigue of dealing with the virus for the last year and a half? Well, I I like to look at the issue from a couple of different perspectives. Number one, we we have a duty and obligation as a society to protect the health of the public when we are concerned about an infectious disease. 
that's been a longstanding public health law in this country for you know well over 100 years. We have to take steps to mitigate the likelihood that people will become seriously ill and spread the disease to others, regardless of what disease it is. So we put into place things like mask wearing and offering vaccination, health education messages about hand washing. Sometimes we, we, depending on the numbers and what's happening with the population as a whole, um, governments need to take, uh, and even private businesses may need to consider taking more aggressive actions to protect the health of the public. It depends on how sick people are getting, how many people are getting sick, and how quickly. And as you know, we've used the hospitalization rates as a as a barometer for this pandemic, so as not to overwhelm the healthcare system. I think we're, you know, we're starting to, to see an uptick in hospitalizations, and that will vary from county to county and from region to region, based on how quickly the virus is spreading. And then the, the healthcare system capacity to take care of those individuals. Um, what we're concerned about right now are the children who are unvaccinated with this Delta variant and children who are too young, younger than 12, who are more vulnerable because they cannot get vaccinated. And we see what's happening down south with a lot of hospitalizations of, of children. And so this may this picture may look different going into the fall, and we're going to have to watch it very closely um, and take measures um, step by step in consultation with our community leaders to do what's right for the public. I think that all through the pandemic, the majority of the population was concerned enough about others and themselves to do the right thing, but we certainly took a real serious hit in terms of the economy, uh, people's mental health with social isolation. I think the effects we're going to be seeing from the shutdowns and closures for many, many years to come. I don't think any of us want to go back to that. And I think that there will always be a few people who just refuse to comply no matter what. But I think they're in the, the real minority. Because I mm -hmm. think most people want, want to do the right thing and, and protect uh, their friends, family, and, and, and co-workers. of schools now are starting to mandate that kids going back to school, whether it's college kids or high school students, uh, be vaccinated. Um, and those areas that are not mandating it are you know, very strongly recommending it. I'm curious what your thoughts are on vaccine mandates for whether it's school systems or government employees, other employees of larger institutions and, and things like that. Well, vaccination uh, in this country and certainly globally has been the most effective public health tool we have had to eradicate or control infectious disease. You know, going back to smallpox, 
and polio, uh, measles, mumps, the flu, uh, tuberculosis, whooping cough, uh, a lot of childhood diseases that we don't see anymore. We don't see anymore because of vaccination. And so uh, I think our, our memories, and maybe I'm dating myself, I'm getting a little older, <laughs> but a lot of people's memories uh, in terms of the history of this country don't go back to the 1950s when you know everybody was lining up down the streets to get their polio vaccine. I think there's a lot more um, misinformation that's spread, especially by the anti-vaccine group uh, and folks who even... Even people you would think are credible sources that have uh, an MD or some kind of degree, just spreading blatantly false information about vaccines. So um, in terms of making it mandatory, I think that in certain settings, when you have people congregating and are at higher risk of disease spread uh, to, and has the potential to make uh, people very sick, I think it is the responsible thing for employers um, and, and certain entities to do to be a little more aggressive in their policies in terms of mandating vaccine. Now, the, with a caveat that sir, some people will not be able to get a vaccine, but it's a very small minority, very small percentage for health reasons. But in order to protect others, we need to do the right thing to create that bubble of protection around those who can't be vaccinated, who are too young. So, you know, I do think vaccination is, is a good idea and mandating it under certain circumstances to protect the majority of the vulnerable population is really necessary, such as in healthcare facilities, hospitals, nursing homes, and yes, even schools. Should we now be concerned that, that the vaccines are not formally approved by the FDA at this point in time? I know folks in my circles, um, and, and maybe you've heard this as well, that are still choosing not to get the vaccine, um, will cite that these vaccines have gotten you know, emergency approval to be used, but not a final approval from the FDA, like we would normally expect from the rest of the vaccines that are mandated for folks to get. Um, is that a concern? I know it's a concern for many people that it doesn't have that final seal of approval and it's under emergency use authorization. Um, I think parents especially may be waiting for that full approval. Um, research uh, on the safety and effectiveness and quality control takes, it, it's a rigorous process uh, to, to really follow the scientific process, clinical trials and which were already completed long ago. Um, this has been the most closely monitored vaccine uh, in the history of this country. <laughs> it's been scrutinized. It's been, you know, you remember the J&J &J got temporarily pulled off Right, of course. Uh, for okay. use until they had time to do more in-depth study because of very few small number of uh, cases of adverse events. And then it was put back on 
after they studied that. So it's been very, very closely monitored. Uh, I think the fact that um, the vaccines have been rigorously tested and evaluated in tens of thousands of study participants prior to its uh, release, you know, uh, publicly um, is very important. The manufacturers are very heavily regulated and monitored. I think we'll be seeing FDA approval soon. I know they have to move through their process of studying different age cohorts and the different vaccines and populations. But, you know, in a pandemic, you can't wait for full FDA approval that takes years and years. You have to quickly issue an emergency authorization in order to protect the public. But I, I think that we've seen enough, what is it, 200 million people in this country or more vaccinated mm-hmm. with very low numbers of adverse uh, reactions. And those reactions are, are legitimate. The numbers are very low if you look at the statistics. But that's the reason why we have the um, adverse events reporting system nationally so that that research can be looked at and followed up on. So last summer, we were sitting at around 65,000 cases a day in the U.S. Um, And there was a great concern last summer that the following winter would be really bad with the virus. And it was. We had extremely high case numbers uh, by December and January and February, hundreds of thousands of, of deaths as a result of the virus. And now we're sitting at well over 100,000 cases a day. We have this new, more contagious variant. Obviously, about half of the country has been fully vaccinated at this point, which is really exciting. But are you worried about this coming winter? I am. I think we're all worried. I know that, um, especially for children who are too young to be vaccinated, And I know that the CDC's recommendations um, are for schools to, as much as possible, be fully back to in-person learning with lots of mitigating and preventive and safety measures in place, mask wearing, social distancing, hand hygiene, that the risks to the children for getting very sick from this virus based on past you know, experience for last school year may not be as high as we initially thought now that we had a a year to look at the data. However, in in our county and and this state, a lot of the schools were doing remote learning. And so we were only looking at about a third to a half of the school population that was being studied that were actually going to school in person. So we're going to have twice as many kids back in the classroom, twice as many adults. So you'll, you know, physically have more people. But I think with the preventive measures, the ventilation, the masking, this is why I think requiring vaccination among those who are eligible to get it is really important, especially for schools. What does the end game here look like? When does this end? I think that when this all started um, well over a year ago, about a year and a half ago. I don't think anyone was thinking, 
maybe the folks that understand viruses better like you, but I think that most uh, people with an average level of knowledge about viruses, such as myself, were not thinking that we were going to be in this for the long game as we have been. Um, but now with cases going back up again, you know, it gets me thinking what percentage of the population needs to be fully vaccinated for COVID to really just go away finally, for this not to be an issue really at all anymore. And is there a chance that there are more variants of COVID that our vaccines don't really work on and that are making people that are fully vaccinated against this original variant of the disease really sick? I think that uh, if we have fewer large events with super spreading, you know, the possibility of a virus to be rapidly spread to a large number of people, the, the more we can do the, do the preventive measures, have them outdoors, require people to show proof of vaccination or wearing masks, social distancing. There's lots of things people can do to mitigate the spread of the virus without creating, you know, um, a situation where events have to be shut down or canceled, especially if they're outdoors. But I think going into fall, what we've been saying all along is that we need to continue to get as much of the population in each county vaccinated as possible and as quickly as possible. We've been doing it since since January. Um, the hospital started vaccinating in December of 2020. And, and we've been at this, you know, uh, through public health, uh, through the health department, having mass vaccination clinics through the months of March, April, May, and June, and going, you know, all over the county in, in July and August, having lots and lots of clinics doing homebound. And not just us, but pharmacies, healthcare providers, our federal, federally qualified health center, pop-up clinics, I think that people need to be convinced that the longer it takes to get at least 70 to 75% or more of the population vaccinated, the more likelihood there is that the virus will continue to mutate and cause problems. If it's not Delta, it may be something else. And we don't know what it's going to look like or who it's going to affect the most. That's what viruses do when they're allowed to replicate and they don't come up against the vaccine that uh, basically puts out their, their little fire in terms of being able to replicate and, and transmit to others. So the quicker we can do that, we need to convince people that it's in their best interest and it's in the best interest of their families, friends, and loved ones and their community and that this uh, vaccine is safe. Well, as if the national data isn't convincing enough, our local data here in Sullivan County is clear. 
These vaccines are both safe and effective. When 99% of COVID cases in our area are coming from folks who have not been vaccinated, the message could not be clearer. We need to get vaccinated, not just for our own sake, but for the sake of the half a dozen people that we are statistically likely to infect with the Delta variant if we get sick. And for the folks in my generation, your youth and vitality isn't going to save you from this. There are way too many of us who are ending up in the hospital with COVID right now, and it is not inevitable. If you are concerned about adverse reactions to the vaccine, unless you are one of an exceedingly small group of people who is severely allergic to an ingredient in the vaccine, it is almost certain that you will not have a serious reaction to it. And what do I mean by almost certain? It doesn't sound very comforting to hear almost certain. Well, according to the data from the 200 million Americans who have already received the COVID vaccine, the chances of having a reaction to a vaccine that are more severe than the typical aches and pains or even a mild fever that goes away after a day, it's vanishingly small. Anaphylaxis, for example, is perhaps the most common serious adverse reaction to a vaccine, and it is essentially a bad allergic reaction in the same way that one who is allergic to bees might have a particularly bad day after getting stung. The odds of experiencing anaphylaxis from the COVID vaccines that are available here in the United States are around two in a million. To put that into perspective, the odds of you getting into a car accident next time you get into your car are about one in 10,000. The odds of you dying from being struck by lightning are 1 in 138,849. That means you are four times more likely to die from being hit by lightning than having anaphylaxis as a result of your COVID vaccine, which, by the way, is almost never fatal. You've also probably heard about how the AstraZeneca vaccine was causing blood clots over in Europe. As of July, there were 30 cases where people developed blood clots after having received the AstraZeneca vaccine. But that was out of more than 5 million people who had received the vaccine at that point, for a rate of about 1 in 167,000. Even with that flawed vaccine that we haven't authorized here in the States, the people who received it are still more likely to die from being struck by lightning than they are to have a blood clot after receiving the AstraZeneca vaccine. And by the way, only one person died after that blood clot, and it's not completely clear that they died as a result of getting that vaccine. And when it comes to the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines that are most common here in the United States, there are zero deaths that can be attributed to having received those vaccines. So if you are feeling sick and tired of this virus, go get vaccinated and tell everyone you know to do the same. We can only overcome this in the way that we have done with every other historic catastrophe that we have faced. Together. Thank you so much to Sullivan County Public Health Director Nancy McGraw for updating us with the latest local COVID developments. And as always, thank you for listening. I'm Leif Johansson, and this is Close to Home, a podcast from WJFF Radio Catskill. Stay safe and have a good week. <laughs>